we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rufino. This is Are You Serious Sports? We hope that you guys are making it a good one. We know that we are as well. Game week. Game week. Game week. Game week. Let's go, man. It is finally here. LSU and Florida State kick it off Sunday in primetime in Orlando. It kind of wouldn't be week one if we didn't have a tropical depression brewing. <laughs> At least it's not coming here. At least it's going somewhere else. You know, and I hate it's going somewhere else. I don't want it going anywhere else, but I'm glad for once we're not getting it. But we do pray and uh, ask the Lord and Savior to protect those people in Florida, which it looks like it's going to project. No telling what hurricanes will do. You know that they have a mind of their own. You never know what they're going to do. But we are thinking for everybody out there in Florida, all we want is to play some football, man. That's all that we want to do is to play some football. We will do that this Sunday in Orlando against Florida State. Brian Kelly met with the media. We have some clips for you. The Mason Smith thing, Malik Neighbors, running backs. We'll talk about everything that Brian Kelly mentioned here today. We'll go over the injury report that he listed as well. We'll start breaking the game down. I'll do that tonight. We'll do it on Thursday. We'll go a little live, a little bit uh, 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 earlier on Thursday too uh, because we want to watch some college football. But, but, regardless, we got a lot to break down here from Florida State. I give out my 10 keys to victory today. We'll run through some of those and what I think about this game uh, on Sunday. So, a lot to break down. Also, you know what time it is. Every Monday, Carter, the Power Bryant, joins us at 7.30. We'll talk all LSU football, Florida, all LSU football versus Florida State with him uh, here tonight. Went 5-0 and in my picks. We'll recap week zero, preview week one as well after Carter uh, uh, joins us. And then we'll, I guess we might give a Saints update if we have time. I'll just continue to throw it up there just in case. Just in case. But the Saints do got to get down to 53, man, and it's never an easy venture to do so. All right, where are you listening to us? Where are you listening to the show from? You know what time it is. Fire where you're listening to town, city, rural area, doesn't matter. Are you in Louisiana, Texas? We got one here from Zach Payne who says, Iowa City, Iowa checking in. Tell your boy Carter to make me feel better about this Florida State game. So where are you listening to us from? Getting to a couple comments before we get rolling. No Cap Sports Talk says, kinda. it's kind of weird to see Will Campbell in number seven. But no doubt he's the top three on this team. I'm cool with it. We'll hear from Brian Kelly here tonight on that. I loved, loved, loved what he said. Darren says, uh, Iris Breakdown, Crapola, are you serious? Yeah, I saw the video. If you hadn't seen it by now, <laughs> my boy from Iris Breakdown crapped his pants. It's not You're not cool unless you pee your pants. <laughs> anyway, anyway, all right. Old Vet says, Holy Trinity, Alabama. Is there another, as a better uh, uh, name town than Holy Trinity? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. You got you to gotta love it. Jay Hodge says, Ham in Louisiana. Yeah, he is. Brandon Reese says, Enemy Territory, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. 
No Cap says listening from uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Memphis says Paul. I love it. I love it. Pinky. Look at this one. Says Hall of Fame City, Canton, Ohio. You got to love it, man. You got to love it. Dane Bergeron says, good evening, Blake, from Buzzard's Breath, Louisiana. What you talking about, Ville Platte? <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just messing. I love the people from Ville Platte. I do. I do. We got some rain today here in the booth. It's currently raining right now. So we really needed it, man. We really, really needed <laughs> We really, really needed it. Anyway, all right, let's get rolling. Everybody do us a favor by hitting the like and share. Share to all of those social media groups. If you're on Facebook, share them groups. Share to your own social media pages. We greatly appreciate you doing that. If you're listening to us on YouTube, like, subscribe, and notification bell. Wherever you listen to podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe. And if you're watching us on Fubo TV, welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's talk about our good friends over at GM Varno and Sons and BetOnline.ag. It's game week, man. Our keys to victory. We do it. We talk about them next. Carter Bryant joins us at 7.30. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information for live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag, BetOnline. With over 65 years of experience, nobody is better equipped to service in your vehicle than GM Varno and Sons. RV repair, big rig overhauls, motor chassis, routine maintenance, tire rotations, tire sales. No job is too big or too small over at GM. If you break down the side of the road in the greater Baton Rouge area, they will come and get you. And the best thing about that is that they can come and get you and then they can bring your vehicle back to their shop and start the repairs Right then. Again, GM Varno and Sons. Go see them over at 2500 Full Boulevard. Give them a call at 225-664-9992. 225-664-9992. Tell them your good friend, Blake Rafino. Sit you on by. We're, We're back. back. <laughs> Texas isn't. You know, that's going to wind one day. That's going to bite me in the ass. Pause. It's going to bite me in the ass. But nevertheless, they're not back yet. Adrian Bailey says, where has Ben been, Blake? He hasn't been popping in here for a while. Yeah, we finally got a lock on the door <laughs> in the studio. We finally got a lock on the door. He can't just come in here and barge in whenever he wants. Uh, my man's getting older, though. I miss those days. But uh, he'll 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 come in here. Look, he'll he'll look. Don't. He's like Beetlejuice. You say his name three times, he's going to appear. Uh, Dane Bergeron says, shout out to all the firefighters and first responders out there in southwest Louisiana fighting those wildfires. I do agree, man. I don't know if Southwest Louisiana got rain today, um, but I know that we have some literally going on right now. You, you hope that they would to, to help with these wildfires. North Tangible Parish, uh, uh, St. Tammany Parish, a lot of places, even here locally, are facing them. Look, man, 
I, I don't want to get political, and I'm not going to get political. Throwing out a cigarette bud, doing something foolish, could really affect somebody's home. Just be cautious of what you're doing. Going out there, starting the fire during the burn ban, it's idiotic. It's literally idiotic. Don't do it. Only you can prevent wildfires. I smell. I sound like Smokey the Bear, but he was he was right. Smokey the Bear was right the entire time. So, just don't do it, man. Don't do it. Don't be a Rudy Poo. You know, I saw a, a family that's had a farm for in their family for over 125 years. Half their cro- some of their crops were up in fire or something. I saw on Facebook. Like, don't. I mean, come on, man. It, it hurts everybody. All right, let's talk. You're not here to talk about wildfires. You're here to talk about LSU. Maybe they will be on fire as well. I gave my key, my ten victory key or ten <laughs> keys to victory today, and I'm not going to go in specific order. You're going to have to do a lot of these to win, in my opinion. We've done them since 2017. We'll continue to do them. We start them here right now. The one player that I'm looking out for is Mason Smith. You know what's interesting? I mean, Mason Smith, Mason Taylor. The one thing that's interesting is that I don't know if there's anybody on Florida State team that can guard him. They don't have a lot of experience at safety. I don't think their linebackers are good enough to stop Mason Taylor out in the middle. He is a safety blanket for Jaden Daniels. He's been there at the end of last season. He's been that a lot during camp. I think that Mason Taylor is going to have one of those interesting games that you look up and say, Man, that guy had seven catches, 90 yards, and a tutty. Mason Taylor is the person that I key on as, hey, if he has a really good game, you're going to win. And I do think that this game can be pointsy. I think LSU can go into Orlando and put up 38. I mean, hell, you put up 23 a year ago, and offensively, you were really bad. What's going to happen now that they've had a no a whole nother year under their belt? Can they go to Orlando and do it? Defensively, you've got to get off the field on third down. You have to get off the field on third down. And it's not as if that I'm breaking sports science here by saying you've got to get off the field. Guys, last year, Florida State was 11 for 17 on third down. You could not get them off until you got into the third quarter. You couldn't get them off the field. To win games against really good opponents. Third down is the money down for a reason. You have to stay on the field and have to get off on the field. You have to be exotic. You have to be multiple defensively. Or Jordan Travis, if you don't have contain on him, will eat you alive. He's done it to a lot of teams. Now, the reason why I do believe that LSU will have massive amounts of success in doing that he wears number four. I mean, he could wear an S on his chest and it would be the same exact difference of him wearing that number four on the impact that I think that Harold Perkins is going to have in this game. He is the best defensive player on the field, in my opinion. Arguably, maybe even... I still think Jared Verse is a fantastic player. But overall, number four is the best player on the field every time he steps on it. I have a feeling that they have a game plan to use Harold Perkins to either spy or rush or whatever it's going to be. Now, Brian Kelly talked about that 
today and what the versatility that they will use in Harold Perkins. So we'll talk a little some things that Brian Kelly mentioned here today in this as well. Cokie Riley of the Advertiser asked Brian Kelly if he's just going to be in the middle of the field playing weak side or middle linebacker, and Brian Kelly said no. We are going to be extremely versatile with Harold Perkins, which goes to the fact of what we saw in the last scrimmage. Harold Perkins goes down on the edge. Greg Penn comes in, and one of the defensive linemen obviously comes out to give Harold Perkins that edge. It's been Savion Jones. It's been Braden Swenson, Ovia Gofu, whoever it may be. They have rotated them out and put Greg Penn in. He is the key defensively that you're going to need. Because if he does what he's done against guys like Malik Hornsby last year, who is who is a burner running the football, what he did to Bryce Young a year ago and in other times, even in even though his game was bad, even some of the things he did in Georgia, he's made the progressions. I think he's your key player defensively with Mason Taylor being your offensive dude that you need to target in on. Quarterback play. Look, I do believe that Jane Daniels has made the leap. Now, we've seen him make, the, and I've seen it. The people in the media have seen it. The coaches have seen it. The players have seen it. Everybody that's been out to practice this offseason has seen Jane Daniels take that next step. We have. Can he translate it into a game-type situation in Orlando? I think he will. The crazy thing to me in all this, though, in some aspects, is people still think that Jane Daniels sucked last year. He didn't. He didn't. He accumulated for 29 touchdowns last year. 29 touchdowns a season ago for number five. He is your game changer. Can he continue to do what we've seen, staying in the pocket, getting the ball down the field? And look, Everybody thinks and he's or expects him to sit back there in the pocket. He's not going to do that. And even speaking with Jaden, he wants to utilize his legs in the in their pass game to get better lanes, to pick up first downs. If he doesn't see something and a blitz is coming after him, he is going to get on the move. And if he picks up a first down throwing the ball or with his legs, what in the Rudy Poo do I care? I don't. You know, the question that's been here a lot – from people has been, Blake, how many times, and we've seen in the chat all, all, all non-playing portion of the year, Blake, what do you think Jane has, how many times do you think Jane Daniels has to run? I don't care how many times he runs. I don't care. If he's got to take off 15 times for you to win the game, what do I care? You're playing arguably the best opponent that you will see all year not named Alabama. And look, as much as I think Alabama is closer to nine and three than ten and two this year, doesn't mean that they're still not going to be good. A nine and three, ten and two team is still really good. We'll see. Thought was interesting today in reference to these next two. There were times last year or two players that Brian Kelly addressed today, Will Campbell and Malik Neighbors. Now, Malik Neighbors is a guy that Everybody has high expectations for us. He that next wide receiver that we're going to see come out of LSU and make that next step of being a first-round pick. He has that ability. Let's see what he can do. But we'll listen to Brian Kelly and see what he thought about that as well. 
And then he was asked about Will Campbell today, obviously, with him getting number seven and Makai Wingo getting number 18. I completely agree with what Brian Kelly said here. So don't listen to me. What did the man say? I've represented it in such a admirable way and, and has a great tr tradition in history. I'm not trying to make new history, a new tradition. Um, we just felt our, our playmaker this year um, – uh, and, and deserved uh, the recognition. Even though he was an offensive lineman, we think that they're an important part. We did not want seven to be just about a particular position. We wanted seven to be part of our team. And, you know, we felt that playmaker was, uh, was Will Campbell. So That is Brian Kelly speaking about Will Campbell and why he got number seven. Now, he would go on in that to talk about Malik Neighbors as well. I shouldn't have clicked off of that, but I did. It was my fault. But we'll get to, to Malik in just a second. I love that when he's asked about two of your best offensive players in Will Campbell and why he got number seven, I'm not here to change tradition. I'm here to give the number seven to the best player in the state of Louisiana. I know a lot of people want a DB or Harold Perkins or Malik Neighbors to get it. But Brian Kelly is sending a message here. He's also sending a message in recruiting. Hey, man, if you're the best player from this state, you're going to wear that number and represent it. And I like that. I don't know what the big thing about it is. Now, Tyron Matthew came out and quote tweeted and gave his stamp of approval of Will Campbell wearing or having number seven as that patch. I love that. I love that. Why not be Will Campbell? Don't isolate one whole area of your team because of some stupid number rule. Which, what does it really matter? So it's good for Will Campbell. Brian Kelly would continue on his offense and talking about Malik Neighbors. Guys, I think he is also poised for a very big game. And another key to victory for me here is you got to target him at least 12 times. You have to target Malik Neighbors at least 12 times and get him the ball in space as many times as you can and let him get to work. Force the ball to him. And naturally, I think Jane Daniels is going to do that anyway. And 12 may be excessive, but I want 12 targets out there to number eight. Because, quite frankly, you're going to throw the ball 30 times, probably 30, 35 times like you did a year ago anyway. Give him a third, if not more than that, in targets. Let him get his touches. Let him go out there on some of those screen bubble screens that he ran last year. Let him get in space. Let him do his thing. I thought it was interesting. Uh, Brian Kelly today, in talking about Malik Neighbors, basically, and I'm summarizing here, said that he just put his head down and got to work. And you love hearing that. Look, he had an incident during the offseason. Okay. But Malik Neighbors goes back into football ops, puts his head down, goes to work, practices every day like it's a game-type situation, and makes himself better, makes the team better, makes his quarterbacks better. You love to hear it. On to the defensive side of the ball, too, and some of these keys to victory. I thought it was interesting today in reference to Brian Kelly being asked about Mason Smith. And, of course, the person we all knew that would ask him about it was Glenn Gilbo. But here's what Brian Kelly had to say about Mason Smith and then what he added on to about Mason Smith being out in another one of these keys to victory. 
Probably not. I mean, he probably would have been in that range, um, and, and we weren't really sure. Um, probably one of the reasons why you didn't hear from us, because um, we weren't really sure where he was. Um, he's still not practicing. Um, so at, at the level that, that he needs to be practicing for us to say that he would be, if I was in front of you today, he would probably be you know, questionable uh, for this weekend. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wasn't here, so I didn't have enough information. I, I was brought in on the back end of it. Um, so a lot of those things now are vetted through our NIL office. So we're aware of everything that goes on in, in that setting. So we hope that those, those are, first of all, we don't have to worry about those because they're no longer issues. Um, but, but we would certainly be aware of any of those potential situations. I do think it's highly interesting that even though Mason Smith is out for this game due to suspension, Brian Kelly says he probably not would have gone anyway. Now, we'll never know. We will never know if Mason Smith will go or not for this game. We don't know if he's going would have been available anyway. In all of that, Brian Kelly talked about his updated injury status, that he hasn't practiced, he hasn't been able to go f be a full go. We don't know if he would have been there Saturday anyway. And he talks about, like, hey, man, this is something that was out of my control. We ha basically have, when it came to the jersey signing, I, or signing, I was not here. We, we know about everything going on in NIL. We go through compliance. We're on top of it now. And basically saying that a situation like this isn't going to happen again, and clearly it's not because NIL is legal. Brian Kelly would go on to talk about, though, a guy that we've mentioned on the show multiple times the last two weeks, and that being Jordan Jefferson. Jacoby and Guillory is more than likely going to go out there and start and has had a good camp. I do think that whether it be through Wingo, who now is your number 18 and leader, which we'll get to, I do think Jordan Jefferson from West Virginia, the transfer, is going to see a lot of reps. No, not the quarterback. How they're going to rotate those pieces in and out there, I don't know. But it's something that Brian Kelly definitely made a point of emphasis to go out there and talk, uh, talk about in Jordan Jefferson. I do think that he's poised for a big game. you got to be disciplined when you go up against a team like Florida State. They're going to run a lot of counter. They're going to run RPOs off of that counter. The outside receiver, the inside slot receiver is going to run slants off of it. They will pull it and pop pass it all the live long day if you're not disciplined. This is what makes LSU different from now than a year ago. The simple nature that you have a defensive lineman, multiple defensive linemen, four of them to be exact, that has tons of experience. Jalen Lee, per Brian Kelly, was the biggest surprise of all camp. Jordan Jefferson, who's looked really good. Jacoby and Guillory and Makai Wingo. You have experience there. When you play a team like this, you have to be disciplined. If you're not, they are going to eat you alive. You know how I know? They went 11 of 17 last year on third down. Seven of those plays came off of the counter RPO action. Why did LSU give up seven of the 11 
off of that RPO action because of the simple nature, defensive ends were not doing the right things. The linebackers were not flowing in the right gaps. They were not making the right reads. You got to be disciplined against a team that wants to counter against you. They want to use your aggressiveness against you. You have to be disciplined. You have to be disciplined. Staying with the defensive line, um, Makai Wingo. For the first time <clears throat> in LSU's history of passing down number 18, it goes to a transfer. Now, some of you that have watched this show religiously know the connection I have with two of the former number 18s and Terrence McGee and Brandon Taylor, Brandon being a guy that I graduated with in 2008. I think Brandon summarized it perfectly when you look at a number 18. It's never going to be the best dude on your team, the best player on your team. It's going to be the best leader. They have a text group of number 18s, and Brandon's mentioned this multiple times on this show. When you have number 18s, they are the dude that is the mouthpiece of the program. They are the leader of the program. And Makai Wingo has been a guy that when you talk about, when you talk about anytime you talk to people that are around that program, they always bring him up. They always talk about how he's on uh, the, the younger players' ass in reference to getting their questionnaires in. He's always on their ass about being somewhere, not on time, but before time. He has been a leader in that room. He has been a leader on this team. I really love that he wears number 18. And to get it over with, well, well a transfer can't do that. Well, you had Chris Curry that wore number 18. If Didn't Chris Curry wear number 18? Guys, am I, am I – Chris Curry wore number 18, right? I mean, didn't he transfer to Utah? I'm talking to Pooh and Zach here. But he transferred to Utah the year after. I mean, so, I mean, <laughs> what are we talking about? Makai Wingo deserves this. He deserves to be number 18 and the leader of this team. Um, before I get past this, I, I don't want to pass up a super chat. Jeff Miley, what's up, buddy, says, I think Kane gets a start at running back. Veteran hasn't missed any time. What do you think, B? Thank you first for the super chat, and I do agree with you. I do agree with you that he should get the first carry because he's been there all spring. He's been there all fall. He's been Mr. Reliable. He's been Mr. Consistent, and that's what you need with your team. That's what you need with your team. So I agree with you with Noah Kane. <clears throat> Another thing that I thought was interesting today from Brian Kelly was this. He was asked about Sage Ryan. First off, Brian Kelly came out with the injury report, and obviously J.K. Johnson wasn't on it, but they've already made that determination of him being out. Uh, Kimo, I can't say his last name. He is uh, probable. Uh, Armani, Armani Goodwin is out. And who was the third one? Why was this slipping? And why did I not write this down? Y'all going to help me in the chat. I know you're going to help me in the chat. Who was the third one? Why? And why is it slipping my, my, uh, my memory bank? Ah, Josh Williams is probable. That was the three that he gave. So Josh, look, look at him. Look at this dude. He's already in here. Uh, but, yes, Josh Williams. <sighs> Brian Kelly was asked about Sage Ryan and his health. 
<laughs> Guys, he's been at practice all week. Like, be like Morris Bart, one call that's all, and call up there and find out if he's been practicing. Come on. he's ma- Brian Kelly has made multiple times where he said that Sage Ryan's had the stinger thing. I, I don't get that. I did think it was interesting to hear him talk about Sage, though. Saying he's going to play in the nickel. He's going to be versatile. He may move back to safety. He'll play on the boundary. I don't necessarily know how to feel about that because if you're rotating DBs that much, maybe there may be an issue. There has been an issue. I do think it's interesting that he talked about the versatility that he will bring to this uh, to this game and to this team and talking about the traits that he has. So all in all, listen, you got to be disciplined. Offensively, I think you're going to be explosive. Get your playmakers the ball in space. If just stay with the run. Don't go don't go do anything abnormal. If you're getting three and four yards of carry, continue to run that puppy because their D-line is really good. We've talked about this over and over again, how good Florida State defensive line is. Get your playmakers out in space. Let them do what they do. And defensively, you got to get off the field, stay disciplined. If you don't do that, you're not, you might not win this one. Because this is a good team. So we'll see. All right. I do got to get to a lot of y'all's comments. And we will. But we do got to get to our dude, Carter, the power Bryant. We do that next. We talk to him next. Let's talk about our good friend, Tyler Alexander, over at EXP Realty. And our good friends over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. If you haven't shared the stream already, do so. It's game week. You need to do it. Subscribe, notification bell, all that stuff too. Let's talk about Tyler Alexander and the Drake Williams Law Firm. Carter the Power Bryant next. He will sell your house and find you anew. Well, Tyler's the man. He's here for you. If you want to buy or sell, well, it's not too late. Dial 955-0008. Just call 955-0008. Y'all call Tyler. He'll shoot you straight. Talk by the Drake Williams Law Firm. DrakeWilliamsLawFirm.com. Whether you've been injured in an accident, you're preparing for a future with your estate planning, you're getting ready to close in on a real estate deal, or you're about to welcome a new addition through adoption into your family, or you're facing criminal charges, you need very experienced attorneys, and that is what the Drake Williams Law Firm will be able to do for you in navigating the legal system. The door to their cozy office in historic downtown Ponchatoula has been open since 1981. They have helped thousands and thousands of Louisiana families and individuals win cases, close on real estate deals, and regain that peace of mind. Their lawyers over at the Drake Williams Law Firm, Ernie Drake III, Ryan J. Williams, and Summer Vignair are very determined, compassionate, and dedicated to their craft. It's the Drake Williams Law Firm, drakewilliamslawfirm.com. Give them a call today at 985-386-7600. Tell them your good friend Blake Rafino at AYS sent you on by. We're back! What does it feel to know that you were so wrong on ribeyes or fillets? Oh man, the 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 polls were in, and I got absolutely dismantled. <laughs> I I did, and what and what's funny is 
my favorite steakhouse in Louisiana, and I'm not a big like steakhouse person, is actually in Ruston. And uh, the guy who owns it, my guy Rob Owens, uh, free just tore me up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't say the name of the place. <laughs> I, I, he, he's got to pay for it. No, I'm just kidding. Great place. Uh, the Revelry is great. Uh, not Revelry. It's uh, Bowlines. Great place in Ruston, okay? And Rob's one of my really good friends, and he tore me up over this opinion. And he is a steak master, okay? And uh, he was like, your boy Rafino's right. So I might I have know. to – uh, and then, and then, for those that didn't know this, I a, uh, sent you a picture what? last night of me cooking a ribeye on the grill. Oh, a man. celebratory you, ribeye. You, you are right, uh, Andrew in the chat. I was getting cooked, uh, just like that 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 ribeye, man. But yes, Blake, it is game week. Uh, there's nothing better than LSU football. It's better than a filet mignon ribeye put together, and. I'm so excited, Blake, because I really do feel like this is going to be a legendary game. I think these uh, th- this feels a lot like LSU-Oregon uh, in 2011, where both of those teams turned out to be very good. Both of those teams were clear top 10 teams. And this, I feel, even after this game, uh, both of these teams are going to be very good. I think both of these teams have a good chance to go over their win totals. And I can't wait for, uh, for Sunday night. I really can't. All right. We did not have you on the show uh, when the news came out. Your thoughts on Mason Smith being – or did we talk about Mason Smith last week? Yeah, we did. Okay. Um, But but just to to clarify, because I know that you and I talked off air about after and it progressing and you thinking about it, how massive is it a deal to you now that you've had time to sit on this and – him being out and then brian kelly which i think jordan jefferson is going to be somebody that we need to keep our eye on your thoughts on uh that impact yeah any team with mason smith is better with them than without him but as you know blake football is a game of context right Mm -hmm. Uh, i spoke to someone really close to mason this past week and they feel really comfortable about the lsu backups and i said hey shoot it to me straight how do you feel about uh, everyone else and they love Jacoby and Guillory obviously I think a lot of us feel comfortable with Jacoby and but Jordan Jefferson could play he was a really solid player at West Virginia and I was very encouraged with what Brian Kelly had to say about Jalen Lee today very encouraged uh because I I do agree that said uh, that he was the know, biggest surprise of all camp yeah and I, I I'll be honest Blake I I wasn't necessarily like just on fire about him just based on what we saw what he did at Florida mm-hmm. but that is very encouraging because very. you know if he, he's bigger than those guys and if he can play you maybe can do some tight front at some point kind of like what you know Aranda did and what Matt House did at his last stop so I'm very excited about that. That obviously made my day a lot better, right? Because Mason Smith is obviously so great when he's healthy. And I also think this, right? This game might not have been the best one for him to come out and play, right? Let him go out versus Grambling and dominate someone to get that confidence back because, Blake, he played the game, you know, that first game. He might have not even played per Brian Kelly today because of injury. Exactly. And – Florida State is a very tough game for a defensive tackle because of counter. 
counter is not a fun play to play against if you're a defensive tackle. It's just not, especially, you know, Mason Smith, who is to me for, even though he's, he's big, he's more of a three tech that it's a brutal, brutal, Mm -hmm. brutal game to, 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 to play because you're, you're taking on a variety of different blocks. So since he's been banged up and since we know that he was hurt, maybe it is not something that you should be too worried about. It might actually be a good thing, right? Because of the situation, because of the context. I also think this Blake, and I'm still going to stick by what I said on your show last week. I think this game is going to be very high scoring and we're going to need Jaden to carry us anyway. I agree. So let, that was my second question. Were you surprised when Brian Kelly today said, or it, it's not a physicality thing with Jaden it's like he took every rep as it being first and 10 instead of fourth and 10. I thought that that was a very interesting way to talk about him and how they had, how he has progressed. Now, the first thing that he said about this matchup, if you were listening closely, was Jane Daniels, Jordan Travis, it doesn't get better than this. So he is even pushing the narr- – I don't want to say narrative, but pushing out that, hey, man, this is – we think Jane Daniels can go in here and do some things. Carter, my game plan has been offensively, even early, just get the dudes, your playmakers in space, the football. Maybe you can try to a, a deep throw here and there, but just get the playmakers the ball out in space and let them work. And now get Jane Daniels into the game. Have you been surprised by how much Brian Kelly even talked about that somewhat today as well? Yeah, no, it's – it's been basically what they have said all season, what Jaden has said in every interview. And obviously, like you've gotten to know Jaden a little behind the scenes. I have as well. We know intangible wise, this guy just hits it off the charts. Right. You can see authentically how excited his teammates were for all these sponsorship dollars, right? Mm-hmm. There can be jealousy. With that, now I can't say a gazillion percent that not only gave his teammates, but was the only player to give coaches a gift too. Right, right. I I really do feel, and once again, I can't speak on behalf of everybody on the team, but I can for a few, which I think would represent a lot of people. They're happy for all his success. They want him to succeed. That's not always the case, especially at quarterback. And I, it just comes down to executing the game plan going into next week. I do think, obviously, Blake, if you're able to run the football some and get Florida State out of a too high shell, that's when you could start hitting some explosives. And that's where Will Campbell with the new number seven and the rest of that offensive line, if they can move some people around, watch out. Let's get this inside zone going. And let's establish our will because I do think LSU's offensive line will be able to move them. I do think a big issue last year, Blake, we could not move their defensive tackles. They they, they just at tore all. Them. Yeah, I mean that was it was really bad. But also, Fabian Love at eight 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 Garrett Dellinger's lunch, brother. I mean, Dellinger was a ribeye in this in this situation, um, and and that also caused the snaps to be very erratic. So, you know, you got the middle of the offensive line situated, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Lunsford plays a little bit more. Maybe not. We'll see what happens there. I just think that this offense is just so better suited for what Florida State is going to do defensively. And it's not just because LSU didn't have the right guys last year. It has more to do with me believing the LSU offense is going to be better. 
Now you do need to go out there and execute it. And one little wrinkle I think you might see a little bit more of, uh, Blake, going into this game. Hoss Juke. This is just, do what, what's that? Hoss Juke. Hoss Juke. No, that's <laughs> that's. It's definitely. a joke. It's a joke. No, no. Hey, I'll, I'll talk Hoss Juke every day. That's All right, one continue, of my continue, continue, continue. But, but I, I do think you will see Malik in the slot some in this game. Oh, no doubt. And I love Malik in the slot. You're going to see a lot of Kyron Lacey, too, in there and hitting dudes. Like, he is a physical wide receiver, dude. So, I I just love this offense. I really freaking do going into next season. Now, the other side of it, and it's just for this game, LSU's not going to play a whole lot of offenses. Well, they're not going to play any as good as Florida State's. I have been accused on my channel, all right, constantly in the comment section, in my DMs, emails, and all this, that I am overhyping this Florida State offense. No, you're and I'm not. Telling, I'm telling everybody that listens to your channel, I, I, I wish I was wrong about this. I wish, and I hope I'm wrong about this. But their offense is really good. Now, they don't have the week zero tune-up game. Okay. This offense is really good. They, they just are. And look, our defense, obviously, Matt House has the propensity to put out an elite defensive game. We saw it with time to prepare. He tore up Bryce Young last year. Bryce Young threw over 50 passes, under 50% completion percentage. And there's something to be said. You know, Bryce Young saw every coverage known to mankind. He is one of the smartest quarterbacks we've ever seen play in the SEC. He hadn't seen Harold Perkins. And that's the same truth here for Jordan Travis. Harold Perkins' closing speed, and we talked about it even before the start of last year, Blake, it's different. He moves at a different speed, and Brian Kelly confirmed today, we're not just going to keep him static. We're going to get him out there making plays in a variety of ways. So, um, you know, obviously Perk's going to have to have a big game, but I still think it's going to be really hard to stop the Seminole offense. All right, so let's stay a little offensively, and then we'll go uh, over to defense. Um, you did mention Will Campbell very quickly. Um, thoughts on him getting number seven? I love it. I do. I, do too. I, I do think. Too. And I love Brian uh, Kelly's reasoning. Yeah, I do. I mean, look, the truth is there's, I mean, wide receivers are always going to come to LSU. I love seeing your boy DeCorian Moore get the highest MPH, uh, according to the analytics company. That was really cool. The LSU is always going to get By the way, wide. he's a beast. I try to tell everybody yeah. he was a beast. Nobody listened no, he, to me. He's, he's great. But we want this to become an offensive line university, right? And Will Campbell, I, I won't get into all the streaks he's going to break, but he's going to break a lot of them. And he, when it's all said and done, he might be the best tackle to ever play at this school, right? It's a lot, but he's got that ability. He's got that work ethic. I love this decision also because offensive line is a higher floor position, whereas wide receiver and running back is a little bit of a volume position in the eyes of many, Right. Like, you know, the game, you know, receivers can have a good game if they only get two targets, right? It might not have, they might have just double covered you all day. Right. But that takes the pressure off of guys wearing that number if they're not getting the volume that they expect to get. With mm-hmm. Will, he's going to play, you know, X amount of snaps regardless, right? So I like that decision. Same thing with number 18. I agree with, you know, Makai Wingo getting that that jersey number as well. So I think LSU hit it out the park. Where's LSU's biggest advantage offensively? Yeah, I think it's to the outside, obviously, with the receivers. I, I don't love Florida State secondary. And I, I, I think 
I, I think they're going to win uh, on the outside. Um, you know, I've been on a few Florida State shows, and they I, I honestly didn't get as much pushback when, when I've said that. And my main point is Jamie Robinson is a monster. That is one of the best ACC defensive backs I've ever seen. He is no longer in right. that secondary at safety. So they – they're kind of like LSU in that, you know, that they're worried about their secondary as well, but they can see them having a good game. I still feel the same way, uh, vice versa, about the LSU secondary. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's why I picked Mason Taylor to be my – like outside of Jane Daniels, I think Mason Taylor is going to go off because I don't think they have linebackers that can run with him, and I don't think they have the safeties experience enough when he goes up there and is physical with him and he's 255 pounds – and he's just going to bulldoze you, man. I do think that if there is a player offensively, look, we're going to talk about Malik. We're going to talk about Brian Thomas. We're going to talk about the running backs. We're going to talk about Jane Daniels and everybody. We're going to talk, oh, when's Aaron Anderson going to rotate in? I am telling you, I think there's going to be a concerted effort to get number 86 to football out in space. They did it in both scrimmages. I think they're going to do it here because he's been unstoppable. We'll see. Where's yeah. LSU's biggest uh, – well, let me – before I get to that, <clears throat> were you surprised as I was on what Brian Kelly said about Sage Ryan today that we're still going to move him all around the place? When's the last time you've seen boundary corners moving all over the place? It's rare. It's rare. But, okay. Who's the last guy that you remember that had high success doing that? Uh, Dante Jackson, obviously, he got moved around a lot. Uh, Jalen Mills, the same thing. But those guys were a different caliber of player up to that point in their career. We have not seen Sage play at a high level, but, okay, there have been some defensive players at LSU recently that nobody thought was really all that good, and they took an elite step forward in year three, right? We saw that with Cordell Flott recently. We saw that with DeMond Clark recently, and sometimes it just takes time, right? And, you know, Blake, I mean, you were doing YouTube at the time. Those guys got demolished based on how they performed in year two of, the, of, the, of their career. Right. Demolished. There was people saying, I don't want them in the program anymore. Yeah, people and, were not high on Damone Clark. Yeah, they, they – and, and – And now, isn't he starting with the Cowboys? Isn't he starting? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I, is, I, is Damone Clark starting with the Cowboys? Yeah, so, somebody please tell me because yeah. – Look, this guy was given number 18, and he had a step four. Now, obviously, Sage is not those guys. But look, there's something to be said about being motivated and everyone telling you you're, you're living under expectations. You're a 337 guy. You're South Louisiana through and through. You had all this hype. You're a five-star, all that stuff. Maybe Sage says, look, I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to go out there and play really well. He did in the Florida State game last year, Blake, have a huge stop on fourth down versus Micah Pittman in the end zone. And that was a huge play in that game. So hopefully Sage brings some of those good vibes no matter where they play him because they could really use a spectacular five-star performance from him. Did you listen to Mike Norvell today? Uh, I I didn't. I, I okay. caught a few things, but not Destin too, too Hill is starting in the slot. Okay. Okay. That's really interesting, but he's not your typical freshman. He's like a 21-year-old freshman. Number two, Keon Coleman returning punts. That's crazy. That's crazy. I um, think it's. A, I think you're gonna fumble one of them. 
I hope so. Me too. <laughs> How ironic would it be if he fumbled one? <laughs> uh, that would be. Oh God. Poetic. It would uh, be poetic. But yeah, it, it was interesting. I saw Jakai Douglas. Uh, out. Ironically, out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's Mason Smith's really good buddy, apparently, and mm -hmm. he's out. So, yeah, obviously that was very interesting. And look, Blake, uh, you know, I have a lot of people from CAR that are fans of PHL. And I know you have the same on, on your channel. They love them some Destin Hill. They love um, him. They, and, and this, you know, you talk about poetic. You can have the Destin Hill Aaron Anderson game. You know, it, it could be that. There's so many different storylines here because both those guys were, you know, New Orleans legends, so the, the way people talk about them. And a lot of people that didn't go to those games, me included, you know, we, we haven't seen them play at, at, at the college uh, Power 5 level yet. So mm -hmm. could be a big game for either one of those guys. John Sibley Butler sends a $20 Super Chat and says, okay, fellas, what are your predictions for the FSU game? Let me do this, Carter. Let me ask you – let me get a couple more things in, but we're going to get back to John uh, Butler's question here. He says, besides their quarterback, what are their strengths of uh, – we'll get to that last. Yeah. Um, Carter, what's LSU's biggest strength defensively against Florida State? Now, yeah. before you now, well, say that, they're going to have to be disciplined. Yeah. If LSU's not disciplined, they're going to get their asses beat. Yeah. The teams that are not disciplined against Norvell get their asses beat. That's just the truth. I think LSU will be disciplined under Brian Kelly and will be able to do those things. But what are your – what are, does LSU have the advantage defensively? All right, so one thing – I actually went back and watched the, the Florida State game, and then I went back and watched the Georgia game because Georgia is also a team that was very good at, at counter. Right. Right. And uh, you can see it. it's a film study power LSU. Uh, you can watch it for yourself. And you can see that the Trey Benson, the Florida State running back, is a thumbnail. And what was interesting, Blake, was LSU played counter very well last year. And that's Florida State's bread and butter. They base everything off of that play. And LSU did a really good job of that. And one guy versus Georgia who made a pretty amazing play versus counter was Jacoby Guillory. I, I was very shocked by that. He made a really nice tackle in the third quarter of that game going up against uh cedric van Pran and a five and, yeah. and, a, and a five star uh in amarius mims is going to be a first round pick he made a really really tough play in that game so honestly i think even with mason smith being out this florida state offensive line isn't the absolute biggest i do love their offensive line coach Alex Atkins, I think he's very talented. I think he'll be a head coach one day. Um, but I, I think this LSU defensive line is going to be very motivated, right? Because all they're hearing right now is, well, Mason Smith, he's out. Might as well not even show up. And the LSU defensive line is like, yeah, look, you see what we did last year with Adam? We're going to do the same thing this year. So, you know, I think LSU's front with Perk and, and Omar behind those guys and a mixture of Greg Penn, I think, I think they're going to be, I think they're going to hold up uh, uh, against the run. I hope so. It's just on the back end, right? Here's the thing. I, 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 I just want everyone to just go back, watch all the plays from the Florida state offense. There really wasn't just an awfully thrown ball by Jordan Travis all game. He was just so pinpoint in that game. And, if I was Matt House, 
the one thing I don't want to do is the same thing that happened last year, which was those gimme third downs, those wide open third downs. There was four in that game that I counted where it was just pitch and catch or it was a guy wide open. Mm -hmm. So you've got to get to the, to, to the point where we're not giving them just gimmies, right? So I think that's going to be very key for LSU on that side of the football. And Sibley is a really good friend of mine, by the way. Uh, love him. Thanks for supporting not only me, but my good friend here, Blake. Um, I got I, four I, syllables for you. What's that? Hair rolled per cans. Yeah. And it's ironic because he wears number four. There you go. And look. This is a that was kind of cool, moment. huh? Hair rolled Perkins. Right. He's going to be motivated, man. This is a guy who was not played in this game last year. And he played on special teams. Remember the penalty he got on special teams? I vaguely do. Remember, I, he I, punched the dude. I got to go back and look at yeah, this. Yeah, he now. punched old boy. He hit him with <laughs> the. Uh, uh, he hit him uh, with the. Did you see the sugar shown on Malley when he laid, uh, laid out Aljamain uh, Sterling? He hit somebody with that kind of force. How the man still walks today is a myth to some theologians. Right. Okay. I will. I, I, and then obviously, I, I I think Perk's bound for a big game. And then you know the other side of the football, right? If Jaden Daniels wins this game in a shootout, hello he, Heisman. He's on the yeah, list. I I think he I think he immediately becomes a Heisman favorite because. I think there will be some voter fatigue with Caleb Williams, no matter how this actually plays out. I don't think voters want to give Caleb a back-to-back -back at all. Look, the, the the one thing, this is one underrated thing, and I know we're running out of time here, but what makes Sunday night's game so interesting, Blake, is it's a captive audience. In football, there are rarely captive audience games. I agree. Right? Like national championship games, obviously it's a captive audience. It's the only game going on. You know, in the NFL, you got Thursday night football and all that stuff, but there's other football games going on. There's nothing else going on Sunday night, right? And I think people forget about that because, you know, last year's game, LeBron was tweeting out about the game. Everybody was watching the game, right? And um, LeBron might have not ever watched another LSU game that whole year. The likelihood right. is very likely. And ironically, he was at uh, uh, USC November fifth, twenty eleven. He was at that game uh, in Tuscaloosa with D Wade. Ironically, but the truth is, it's no wonder like why Bama lost. Yeah, right. So look, look at this. It's kind of like the LSU Iowa women's basketball game. There was nothing else on TV, right? You. This is a captive audience game. So this game is going to have so many eyeballs just glued. To this, and I think they're going to be in for a treat, and I'm really excited about that. All right, you got to you got to score. We gone through strengths and weaknesses. You got a score prediction? I I I mean, it's so hard to pick against my favorite team, right? Um, I did I did I, I, so did I talk you off the ledge? <laughs> I, I I will I will say this. I do think this is going to be an extremely high scoring game. I, I know. I, I know that there is, uh, you know, the, if you are someone that wants to just go hammer the over, uh, there there is a fear because, you know, the game's going to be shortened by four or five plays by estimation. Yeah. Um, I, I, still, I still think this game is going to end 31-28, 35-31, something like that. Because I think with these two quarterbacks and these sets of receivers, it's just going to be so tough to stop them. I, I, I do think so. Now, it's harder for offenses in the very first game 
to be guns a blazing. It it just is. So you could get some offenses that just aren't good and they're they're rusty just in the first game and these offenses turn out to be great. That could happen. But Blake, I, I just think that's what it's going to be. And uh and yeah, it should be a fun one. Football Sunday, baby. Let's go. We'll see we'll see you then. Let's go, man. Thank you for joining us, brother. Team Filet Million. Later, bud. Oh, my God. It's Carter the Power Bryant. Let's talk about our good friend Steve Bean over at Bayou Boil and Go and Bayou Daiquiris. Talk about Carol Foss over at State Farm. We'll return with you around the SEC. Don't go anywhere. We're back next. Bayou Daiquiris at Bayou Bowl and Go is owned and operated locally by Steve and Lisa Bean. You can find them at 1512 North Highway 190 in Covington, Louisiana. That's 1512 North Highway 190 in Covington. The North Shore's first crawfish drive through is about to step it up another notch by bringing you drive through daiquiris as well. You can call in your order today at 985-888-1914. 985-888-1914. Because you know what? Daiquiris and crawfish, it's a Louisiana thing. Guys, you might know my good friend Carol Falls and all the great service that he provides over at State Farm. He is your good neighbor after all. But did you know State Farm has surprisingly great rates as well? Along with a great neighbor service, State Farm agent Carol Falls has surprisingly great rates for everyone inside the state of Louisiana. So call him today at 985-395-4300, 985-395-4300 for all of those surprisingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there and individual premiums will vary by customer all applicants subject to the State Farm underwriting requirements. Nick Saban apparently is not releasing a depth chart for the first time in 17 years. Quote, Nick said, I know that your number one focus is not on the game. It's on the depth chart. There's a lot of competition on the team. And when we put a depth chart out, you all think that's final. It creates a lot of distractions on our team. That is from Nick Saban of Alabama. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. He has put out a depth chart every single year for the last 17 years besides this one. Why? Because he don't want people knowing who his quarterback is. He doesn't want to name somebody a starter. They have a plan. And I will tell you, Nick's not a dummy. They, The quarterbacks know the plan going into it. Now, Pooh Bear says Nick just don't know who his quarterback is. That also might be what is going on. So, as we tiptoe our way through the SEC here, Nick Saban, for the first time in 17 years, not releasing a depth chart. How bad is this quarterback situation that he won't do it, that he won't name a starter? He knew he was going to get asked about it. Camp's over with. It's game week. But I do... I would be shocked if it's not Jalen Milrow. Uh, also, Texas A&M. Poor Max Johnson. Not really. But Connor Wegman is going to be the starter out there in Aggieland, the 12th man. Didn't really see this as a massive surprise, but apparently Max Johnson had kept that competition very close. They will run out Connor Wegman uh, as their starter. I think he is better than Max Johnson. I think he will progress and be better and have a better overall career, not even in college, but in the NFL, than Max Johnson. 
He's a really talented young man. I do think that he gives A&M a little bit of a difference maker at quarterback by the way he throws the football and how athletic he is in the pocket. Also, a lot of people high on Kentucky. I saw a lot more polls come out today on Kentucky. Now, Kentucky is a team that we have not spent a lot of time on, mainly because LSU doesn't play them. I am not as high on Kentucky as everybody else. Their schedule is so ass. They don't play anybody, and that is par for the course for Kentucky. Devin Leary comes in. Will, um, uh, God dog it. Will Levis, why his name slipped my mind there for a second. Will Levis out, uh, Devin Leary in. They do get back their OC um, from the Rams. I do think it's a big deal, but I just can't buy in on this Kentucky hype yet. They're going to have a decent record because they play a bunch of nobodies. Georgia arguably is the toughest team that they'll play all year. They don't play any really midline teams out there in the East and obviously Tennessee uh, as well. One final thing about the SEC here, too, I want to mention, because we have to talk about them now, I guess, is the University of Texas. Uh, listen, I, I, I he, Zach and Pooh Bear, y'all want me to go full conspiracy theorist? Let me go full conspiracy theorist here. I don't think that the Big 12 and the Big 12 officials are going to benefit Texas this year. As much as their commissioner has talked so badly about the University of Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. What if these referees start calling holding calls that maybe are questionable? What if Texas doesn't get the spot that they probably should, but it's a really bad spot by the line judge? There is a lot of bad blood with the University of Texas and the Big 12. Brett Uramark going to Lubbock uh, this last, uh, what was it, a week ago? talking a whole bunch of crazy stuff about Texas Tech being Texas. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think if you start seeing some goofy things ha happening out in Austin, the fix is in. Like, and, and he goes to Lubbock to do it. He goes to Lubbock to do it. Half of you in here don't even know where Lubbock is. Northwest Texas. And yes, how I know, I don't think that they're back. But I do think, I do think that talent-wise, they're the best in the Big 12. But I do think there's going to be some goofiness going out there with those officials. Maybe I'm a conspiracy theorist, but it wouldn't be my first time. <laughs> what y'all going to do tomorrow for Pooh Bear's birthday? Pooh Bear confirmed with AYS that this is the seventh time that he has turned 39. He's old, man. So shout out to Pooh Bear and happy birthday to him for tomorrow. Go check him out in the Golden Boot Pod. Zach and them are going in 815 Tigers Avenue. Yo, go check them out as well. As far as us, we're out of here, man. We'll see y'all tomorrow. It's game week, man. Be excited because we are. See y'all tomorrow. Peace.